Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome to News and Views. I'm your host, Rob Schofield. Last fall, with the midterm elections right around the corner and the disastrous legacy of the lies and conspiracy theories spread in the wake of the 2020 election, still casting a pall over American democracy, a new and hopeful response was launched here in North Carolina. Led by former Charlotte Mayor Jennifer Roberts and former State Supreme Court Justice Bob Orr, the North Carolina Network for Fair, Safe, and Secure Elections was established in order to help restore and strengthen the public's faith in the honesty and legitimacy of U.S. elections. As I learned in a recent conversation I had with Roberts and Orr, last fall's efforts produced some promising initial results. So many, in fact, that sponsors at the Carter Center in Atlanta have renewed their financial support and asked Roberts and Orr to take their message to other states beyond North Carolina. Well, Jennifer Roberts and Bob Orr, welcome back to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. Last fall, the two of you bravely embarked on something called the Trusted Elections Tour across North Carolina that was really designed to debunk some myths and conspiracy theories about modern elections and rebuild sort of public confidence in elections. And from what I can tell, y'all had a pretty successful endeavor, 15 town hall series. Maybe you saw even a jump in confidence among some of those folks who attended. Jennifer, remind us what this was all about. Well, we knew from focus groups and from some of the survey data we looked at from several of the the partners the Carver Center works with that, that collect data, We knew that if you get good information out from experts that are trusted by people, if you get that out ahead of the misinformation, then people are much less likely to fall into the trap of believing absurd tales they might read on on the internet. (laughs) So we thought we could organize. We didn't have a whole lot of time. Uh, We thought we could do one in each congressional district, a town hall, and then one virtual one for folks who were not able to make it in person or who worried about being in person. And we put election experts in front of folks. We also had question and answer time so that people in the audience who might be new to the state or had heard some things, rumors, they didn't know if you know you could double vote and how hard that would be and how do you check those mail-in ballots anyway. Uh, so we had the question and answer period. We had attorneys. We had election directors. We had board of election members from both parties. Everything was bipartisan. We wanted to show that, you know, we're being transparent, we're answering questions, and here's the way it actually works. And what's interesting is, you know, as a former elected official myself who've been through numerous elections, I learned a lot that I didn't know because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. Our election workers are working every day of the year to get ready for the next election, and there is one every year because we have municipal elections in odd years. So we did a survey at the end of our 38-day whirlwind tour And we discovered an 8% increase from those who attended in their confidence in the election system because they heard how professional the election directors are, the experience they had, the answers they had to weird things that people had heard about happening that were actually were handled. And yeah, people do try to double vote once in a while. People make errors once in a while. And the system works. It's got to be encouraging to hear from people who are actually the pros who are doing it every day and living it and breathing it. Bob, you were about to say something. Let me add that one of the real driving forces for the tour was that we were hearing that election officials, both professional staff at the local level and individuals who volunteer as as precinct judges, were really feeling abused and in some cases actually threatened. 
And I think the state had lost maybe 40 out of 100 directors of local election boards, either through retirements or saying, you know, hey, I I don't need to put up with this. There are other things I can do. And so we felt that not only could we get information out to the public, but it was an opportunity for these election officials to tell their story. And I think one of the, the real encouraging things about what we learned from this is how appreciative Uh, election officials, Democrats, Republicans, professional staff, volunteers, board members, were all really appreciative of the opportunity to say, here's how we do it. We do it right. We do a good job. You know, and it's a huge challenge, but you can have confidence in what we're doing. And so to me, that was one of the big takeaways from what we did. You know, there are a lot of public servants out there who probably relish the opportunity sometime to tell their story. I was talking to an IRS agent the other day because I was working on a personal tax matter, and I thanked them for their service. And I think they were about to cry after I said that to them because they're so used to people just not trusting them. And Bob, I assume probably not every event that you held was all sweetness and light. I'm sure there were people maybe who tried to challenge some of the things you said. Was there ever a chance to actually get some productive dialogue going? Well, there actually was. And and I think one of the keys was we worked really hard to make sure that we had both Republicans and Democrats on the panels. And for example, the first two we did uh, in Wake Forest and Smithfield, Phil Strack, who's probably the most prominent Republican lawyer representing you know, the legislature and redistricting and all of these cases was there. And when you hear Phil Strack say, hey, we've got a really good system, I've got confidence in these people. It's a message that a lot of individuals had not heard from that political perspective. And so I think for the most part, we had really positive responses. There were a couple where, you know, folks didn't like comments made about how the 2020 election was uh, maybe the the best run of any we've, we've ever had. But Overall, it was pretty encouraging and pretty positive. And the Carter Center also did a a similar effort in three other states, including Arizona. And our friends in Arizona were telling us, we're not sure we could do what y'all did because it may not be safe for us. But uh, I would have to say, for the most part, even though we had, you know, people ask questions And some of it was just confusion, like the lady who was mad because she got 14 absentee ballots. Well, turns out she had 14 applications for absentee ballots. She didn't understand the distinction. And so, you know, we were able to clarify that. But uh, overall, I I think it was well received by the public and the media, you know, doing being able to do interviews like we're doing with you today was really helpful in getting the message out. I was just going to add that we could tell from the the surveys that we did after the fact that there were indeed skeptics and deniers who came to listen. And, you know, good for them for wanting to come and, and hear and, you know, they're trying to play got you. But um, we actually saw a couple folks change their minds. Maybe it was only a couple, but but enough. We got a comment in the the online one that said something to the effect of, thank you for this information. Now I can see that North Carolina is not the problem. Because we had people moving here from Arizona, New Jersey, Michigan, and they don't know that every state is different. Every county really has um, unique ways of administering elections. And and other things people didn't know, um, for example, that every vote is backed up by paper. 
in North Carolina. A lot of people didn't know that. They thought that the machines were doing it all and it was all on the internet and, and it's not, there are no modems. So we did actually restore confidence for some folks. And we hope the other thing the survey showed is that 90% of the people who responded were likely to talk to their friends and family about what they heard. And that's the way that you get the information out there and the great help of the media like yourself. So I'm interested where, where, where each of you think we stand now. I mean, it feels like in some respects, maybe we kind of weathered a bit of a storm. It seems like some of the, the sort of craziest conspiracy theories about the 2020 election have kind of come. But we also know there have been very prominent elected officials in charge of elections in other states who came from the ranks of election deniers. It's obviously a lot of work to do at this point. I know you want to talk about the work y'all are doing, but how would you sort of summarize where things stand now when it comes to public attitudes towards the safety and security and honesty of our elections? Well, I certainly think in North Carolina, there is a substantial degree of confidence. There are organizations that, if we don't call them election deniers, they're election doubters, people who don't really understand the system. And so I think part of our objective this past year and going forward into the next election cycle is to continue to strengthen the message that this is a complicated system. We got 7 million registered voters in a presidential year. Just the mechanics of running elections is hugely complicated. And then you throw in the technology and the cybersecurity. So it really is a communication issue for the state. But I, I think in the greater scheme of things, and we learn this all over the state, we got good people, Democrats, Republicans, volunteers, you know, who really, really go above and beyond to make sure we have fair, safe and secure elections. Jennifer, there's more work to be done, right? Now, the Carter Center, I gather, is which is such a prominent international phenomenon, is one of the leading uh, funders of this effort. Talk to us about their what they're hoping you all will accomplish going forward. Well, what was interesting was in 2022, they were operating in four states, part of Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and Arizona. They're expanding. Some of the learnings from North Carolina will be used in other states, but it's really broader than just the election process. It's about lowering the temperature of polarization in our country and seeing how we can find safe ways to have conversations about issues we may not agree on. Elections seem to be a really good place to focus because that's where a lot of the misinformation was coming. That's where a lot of the stakes are very high because that's where people get elected who can make decisions that impact a whole community. But they're hoping that we also find ways to have civil discussion to support basic democratic principles, which means you try not to knowingly spread bad information um, or lies, that you operate in a civil manner in your campaign, in your governance, you know, in your community, and that you accept the results of an election. And, you know, once all the votes are counted and recounted. So we're working, we'll continue to do the town halls. We've heard a lot of counties that said, we want one in our county too, because we weren't able to go to all 100. Probably won't be able to do that, but we do want to have more town halls um, maybe some this fall because we do some municipal elections. And uh, we also have a new project that is going to look to the community. So the Trust Elections Tour was, you know, Bob and I kind of came up with this and thought it would be good. We're going to do something focused on the Wake Forest area and, hmm. and ask the community, how would you help 
restore confidence and trust in our democracy? You know, what are some of the things that your community might be able to come together to do to help lower that sense of extreme polarization and try to um, really support democracy that works for for that community? So more like a conversation rather than necessarily just holding forth and lecturing the folks on how good things are, but actually a conversation with the community? Letting the community figure out what is it, where are their flashpoints? What is it that they're really agitated about? What are the systems in place to deal with that? And maybe it's through the faith community. Maybe it's through youth outreach. Maybe it is a, a new structure that, that you know, we haven't thought about that's not a town hall. We want the community to speak. Far be it for me to correct my colleague, but her Mecklenburg centrist perspective, she said Wake Forest. We're actually looking at Southern Wake County and Johnston County, whereas Wake Forest is in the, in, in the northern. I, I don't want the folks in Wake Forest to start calling saying, "Oh, when are you going to when are you going to get the, come and do the project?" It's maybe so, someday. We'll, yeah, we'll yeah, all yeah. Well, we actually we did talk about doing Northern Wake and I can't remember, Cashwell, whichever county. Franklin or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of, that, of that direction. We're also talking, I want to mention, is looking at a bipartisan commission on the future of elections in North Carolina, just to talk about best practices. Well, how do we want elections to look 20 years from now? You know, we have a lot of controversies, whether it's photo ID, whether it's cybersecurity, absentee ballots, same day voting, all these, all these kinds of issues. And, you know, we would like to get a group of, of citizens together, good government types, not I'm looking for a partisan advantage, but how do we discuss, you know, the practices for, you know, having elections that don't have the kind of controversies and potential for violence that we've seen in other places uh, and at the national level. So, and, and that's a big lift. Jennifer is the, the hardworking member of our, our two so, and, and far better organized than I am. So it's a big lift, but we're slowly moving forward on trying to put that together. Jennifer, this is also something that other states, I think you've alluded to the fact that it ain't just North Carolina, right? And y'all may actually be helping that effort elsewhere. Absolutely, because the states that are all working on this are in conversation weekly. We also, we will look to other states for this election commission idea because other states have sponsored their own commissions to look at what are best practices. And one of the things that that happens when you do that is people do learn what already are your practices. And then what have other states done? Things like independent redistricting commissions. What things have other states done that we might consider. And again, we want to hear from the community. We want to hear experts. We might get an academic institution involved that could do some of that research, because I know that New Hampshire had one recently, Kentucky had one recently. But uh, absolutely, what we're doing will be shared. We'll do surveys and, and see the results and hope to come out with some great learnings, because we can all come together on democracy. They're actually coming up, Rob, two events in Wisconsin in advance of their highly controversial Supreme Court race that is modeled exactly on the trusted elections tour that we put together here in North Carolina. We're coming to the end of our time with former North Carolina Supreme Court Justice Bob Orr and former Charlotte Mayor Jennifer Roberts. We're talking about the North Carolina Network for Fair, Safe, and Secure Elections. 
you all have alluded to this. There obviously are improvements that we all can make, all states can make. Is there legislation out there? Are there models out there at the national or at state level, perhaps that we should be looking at? Or is that down the road after some of these conversations take place? Well, there are models, but one of the things that we've discovered in talking to our colleagues in other states is that every state is different. States have their own culture. They have their own history. They have their ways of doing things. And it really needs to come from the community. So yes, we're going to look at what other states have done and, you know, what does it look like? You know, what does a fair voter ID law look like? How do you prevent, you know, that from disenfranchising people or keeping them away from voting? How do you continue to make it accessible? Uh, sure, there are some best practices for that. And we'll put our, you know, our, our own unique North Carolina stamp on that because there are things that we do that other states have looked to uh, as well that, that make a lot of sense. Having bipartisan, you know, boards of election where you have, if you have a disputed ballot, you have a Republican and a Democrat look at it together. And, you know, we had one of our speakers say, our system is bipartisan by design. And, and that helps restore confidence that it's not being pulled one way or the other. Which raises one of the interesting issues, there's actually litigation about it, is the fact that unaffiliated voters who constitute a third of registered voters in the state uh, are not able to serve on the state board of elections or as a practical matter on the local boards. So, I mean, there are just a lot of different facets of elections, not the least of which is that counties primarily fund the local boards and low wealth counties struggle in providing the kind of resources and staffing that are necessary. And so one of the things we would hope to focus on if we get this election commission going is, well, you know, what are the funding needs, both from a state and local level, uh, to make sure that the people on the ground have the resources necessary? Sounds like there's been a lot of progress, but still a lot of work to do going forward. And it sounds like you both will stay real busy in 2023 and uh, probably on beyond that. We thank you so much, though, for your service to North Carolina and to this national cause. Jennifer Roberts is the former mayor of Charlotte. Bob Orr is a former North Carolina Supreme Court justice. They are the leaders of the North Carolina Network for Fair, Safe, and Secure Elections. Look for their work online and and here at uh, NC Policy Watch. And we'll uh, check in with you all later this year to see how the work's going. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having us, Rob. Look forward to it. Thank you. Coming up next, a special two-part conversation with a North Carolina legislator about some encouraging progress on a package of important bills to help working families. Don't go away. 